Hey, you're listening to The Overreaction, where we are having discussions about all things birth, pregnancy, labor, postpartum. We talk about fertility journeys as well as loss and life as a birth worker and so, so much more. If you are interested in sharing your story, then head over to our Instagram that is linked in the episode description and let's set something up because I'd love to share your story. All right. Enjoy this episode and I will see you next Tuesday. I can't believe I'm going to say it. This is season two of the overreaction, which is just absolutely wild to me. I cannot believe that we are kicking off season two this week. Um, But I'm so grateful to do exactly that with our guest, Michelle Mayefsky. We talk about her work as a size-inclusive doula, as she is a birth doula, postpartum doula. She's a childbirth educator. She does trainings. She also um, is an author of the book called Fat Birth. It is going to be linked in the description. And in this episode, we talk about size inclusivity and why it is so, so important, especially in this work. Um, She tells us how she got into this work, as well as um, talks to us a bit about her book. We also talk about the trends that we see in the healthcare system, specifically regarding size discrimination and weight discrimination. Um, And we talk about how we as birth workers and humans and society as a whole can do better. This conversation was so incredibly important and informative, and I'm very, very grateful to have had Michelle on so that we can have this conversation and get it out in the world. Um, I do want to put a little content warning out there that we do mention disordered eating um, and of course, give you permission as always to skip or come back to this episode when you are in a headspace to have that conversation or or talk about um, that particular topic. And um, yeah, this is a really good one. And uh, again, I'm so grateful to you, Michelle, for coming on and sharing your story here. Alrighty, folks, I'm going to let you jump into episode one of season two called Change Starts With Yourself with Michelle Mayefsky. Did you know that 95% of people taking a prenatal are still depleted? That is why I have partnered up with Needed because they have a prenatal multi that includes optimal nutrient forms and dosages to help you thrive, including 24 vitamins and minerals that parents and babies need. Plus, All of their products are third-party tested, which we know is so important. Personally, I really love Needed's hydration support. It's refreshing, and I love their lemon-flavored powder. It has optimal mineral ratios of magnesium, chloride, sodium, potassium, and a trace mineral blend to promote hydration. And they come in these cute little packets that are perfect for tossing into your birth bag and honestly have saved me at a couple of long births where I really just needed a boost of electrolytes. And I have a hookup. So you can use the code OVERREACTIONPOD for 20% off of your purchase if you go now. Okay, go check the link in the description and use that code. Seriously, needed is amazing. Hi, Michelle. Hi. How are you today? 
I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Why don't you kick us off by introducing yourself and telling us about you and your work? Sure. So I'm Michelle. I'm originally from the United States, spent most of my life living there. I gave birth to two babies there. So I'm a mom of five. And then um, I met my husband and we have, we now live in Ireland and I gave birth to three more babies here. So yeah, I'm, I'm a busy mom. Yeah. (laughs) And aside from that, I also do loads of different birth and postpartum related work. So I'm a birth and postpartum doula. I do childbirth education, hypnobirthing, um, sometimes I question, like, if I just know when to stop, <laughs> like now I'm training to do reflexology, like that'll be, that'll be done in a few weeks. But my whole aim was to do some maternity and fertility reflexology. So I just, I love learning and, um, I'm also, I'm also a size inclusive yoga teacher. So there's just, there's so many things, <laughs> there's so many things and that I'm passionate about. I'm also, and author of a book called Fat Birth. So I would now specialize quite a bit in plus size pregnancy and supporting people through that process and some of the challenges that exist that I don't believe should be challenges, but Mm -hmm. that is the reality. And so now I would, I don't wanna say primarily, but a lot of my focus has moved to supporting plus size parents and preparing for birth. And I also train birth workers, birth professionals of all types so they can provide more size inclusive care. So so plus size people feel like they are receiving the compassionate care that they're expecting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible work. I'm that I cannot wait to just hear more about really quick. My dad, so um, growing up, my dad was like super, super um, into our Scottish and Irish heritage. And he actually right now is in Ireland and has been blowing <laughs> me up with pictures. And so when you said that, I was like, ah, that's so cool. <laughs> it's just funny how how it's kind of overlapped. He's like been just sending me all kinds of pictures and is like living his best life over there. So yeah, and like <laughs> May it. is considered summer. May, June, July is summer here. So the weather's getting nicer. I'm not going to say like it's hot because it's never really hot here, but it's definitely warmer. The weather's been okay. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's good, good time to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also like a little curious if you could touch on um, either now or later the the difference in giving birth between uh, here in the states and over in Ireland. If if there's any like specific markers of differences that that you noticed, or if it's kind of similar. Oh, it's. I would say, so like my first, when I gave birth to my first, I, it was just before I turned 17. So completely unplanned teen pregnancy. And I was super ignorant um, going into that experience. Now I did read books. I did attend some prenatal education for teen moms, but it was really surface level stuff. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have a great birth. And then eight years later, I met my husband. We had our daughter and I really wanted, I really wanted a home birth and Mm -hmm. I do what 
a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of moms do. So my husband and I had a conversation about home birth and he just wasn't comfortable with it. And it was his first baby, mm -hmm. a bit of anxiety. Whereas I like still to this day, deeply, deeply felt that I should have gave birth at home. So, mm -hmm. and now my daughter is 11 and my husband had a conversation. We had a conversation years later about how that was the wrong choice, how mm -hmm. yes, his opinion did matter, but it was my body that was going through the process of birth. And it was my body that was going to have to experience the recovery. So like we, you know, both have come to terms with the fact that, that I really should have gave birth at home, but yeah. And then I, I got pregnant a third time. Did I say I had three babies in Ireland? I had three babies in the United States. <laughs> it all runs together. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so yes, like that, that second hospital birth definitely told me like, Michelle, you really shouldn't be having babies in a hospital. This is not for you. So my third pregnancy, third birth was a free birth, completely planned free birth at home water birth, precipitous birth. It was only an hour long and um, it was a really wonderful experience, a really healing experience. And that was when I already had some idea that I would like to train as a doula. I had a doula for my second pregnancy and birth. And it was after my third really empowering experience at home where I felt completely in control and like of course you need to surrender to the process of birth but I definitely felt like it was a pregnancy and birth on my terms mm. and that was when I finally was like okay I really do need to put forth the effort and do some research into training as a doula but we knew that we were going to be moving to Ireland so I really I hit pause on that mm. Because I had already heard <laughs> plenty of, of different stories and how the maternity maternity systems are different. And they really are. So um, I'm happy I did my training in Dublin. And I suppose for starters, like a, a huge, massive difference is in Ireland, maternity care is free. Wow. No matter what your income level is. Wow. If you're an immigrant living in Ireland, your maternity care is free. Wow. So um, it, you can't, you know, you can't fly in on a weekend and give birth. Sure. <laughs> so you, you need to have established residency. But other than that, all maternity care and any care that you would receive related to pregnancy is free. So there, there's that aspect of things. There's also paid maternity leave and the hospital system. There are midwives. However, I wouldn't say that the hospital-based midwives are operating within a framework that is similar to like a home birth midwife, for example. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a hierarchy within the Irish maternity system where the obstetricians, like the midwives are still underneath the supervision of obstetricians. Yeah. And that absolutely impacts the care that people receive. <laughs> absolutely. I'd say in my area, that's exactly, it. that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So there are like, there are some things that are definitely like the episiotomy rate in Ireland is very, very high. It's, mm. I would say like, for example, first time moms in Ireland, kind of the national average is one in three people are having instrumental births. Oh, wow. 
And all those people essentially are having episiotomies. Wow. So that's at least, that's at least 33% of people. And that's just people who are having instrumental births. That does not include, you know, people who are having a vaginal birth and they're having an episiotomy. Um, so I do think that there's some really old school. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's quite blunt. There's a lot of old school outdated beliefs that are being passed down. Um, I would say like women's rights and birth rights in Ireland are far behind the UK mm. and the United States in many ways. So that can be really challenging. Yeah. And, but sometimes if I, if I do like childbirth education, I will tell people like in America where I'm from, <laughs> the anatomy rate is not that is not this high. Yeah. And a, it is often a reflection of beliefs and biases and things like that, because Irish, you know, people in Ireland who are giving birth, their bodies are not built differently. There's not right. any reason why all the research is still look, the same. Yeah. The research is the same. So that can be, that can be challenging. And there's just home birth is accessible. However, it's, it's really challenging. It's really challenging mm -hmm. to find either a midwife that's covered by the national healthcare system. And if you go private, it's, it's very expensive and yeah. the vast majority of people just cannot afford it. So there are plenty of differences. Um, like Irish infrastructure is very different too, where you will be sharing a room <laughs> when you're in a oh, hospital. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of those kind of unique things too, that I just, I, I struggle with coming from a very different system, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing on that. Um, I, I did not realize when we first set this up that, uh, that you are now living in Ireland. So I just got a little <laughs> curious. That's really interesting. It's so, it's interesting because my ears perked up and I was like, oh, everything's free over there good look at them being progressive and like they're on it we need to like get on the same train and then to be like oh well <laughs> it's great <laughs> we're really progressive over here but wow yeah we've got quite a bit to catch up on it sounds like um Absolutely. but yeah thank you for sharing that um so let's circle back to your work on size inclusive care in in the pregnancy maternity yoga world um <laughs> And I heard you mention your book. Do you want to tell us about your book? Yeah. So I, when I trained as a doula, I was not, I was just supportive about birth, which is, is a huge thing anyway, right? Like being a birth nerd <laughs> and mm -hmm. being passionate about learning all the things and how to support people. That's really where I started. And then I am a plus size person myself and all five of my pregnancies, my body was varying sizes. So sometimes I was thinner, sometimes I was bigger. And thankfully, I didn't experience a lot of weight stigma during my care. But what I really struggled with during my pregnancies was what a lot of, I won't even, like, it's not even necessarily unique to plus size people. Anybody can struggle with the changes that their body is going through or- yeah we become more focused on what we're eating or we are afraid of gaining weight during pregnancy because we have so many stereotypes and negative messages that, that we receive. And the dominant message is that our bodies should be smaller. 
Yeah. That if possible, you know, there's this thin ideal that we should be, if we're not thin, we should be striving to be thin. And I absolutely struggled with that throughout my entire life. Like I was, and I suppose now would be a good time to say like, I might mention disordered eating or an eating disorder or, um, I often use the words plus size, but I might also use the word fat as a neutral descriptor. It's not necessarily bad, although I know that word has been used to hurt many, many people, myself included. So, Mm -hmm. um, but like, I wasn't a fat kid. I was not a fat kid. I was a little bit bigger, um, but I wasn't a fat kid, but I definitely got the message from my childhood that I was bigger. Like my older, my sister's a year and a half older than me. And we were wearing the same clothes, the same size clothes. So I got messages very early on that my body was just too big. And I carried that with me into all of my pregnancies. And like, I had an eating disorder as a teenager. And when you're pregnant and gaining weight and focused on what you're eating and how your body's changing, it can bring up so many different feelings for so many different people. And I spent so much of my first four pregnancies being absolutely terrified of gaining weight or getting bigger and kind of preemptively thinking about like, how am I going to lose this weight after I have this baby? And that's a really awful place to kind of be in where you're so focused. (laughs) Like there's so many other important things to focus on. And I absolutely was engaging in disordered eating throughout some of my pregnancies where it was like, I was purposely not eating or I was cutting out entire food groups or I was really exhausted because being pregnant is hard work and I would still force myself and push myself to do excessive exercise. So, and then, you know, after pregnancy, everybody's expected to like lose baby weight or bounce back, snap back, whatever um, phrases we use. And it was, so I went through four pregnancies all different times of my life and different stages of my life in different sizes. And it wasn't until I was, after I had given birth to my, my fourth baby, my little boy. And I hated myself so much after that pregnancy, I was absolute, like on the brink of reestablishing an eating disorder and falling into those old patterns and it just sucked so much joy out of having my newborn because I was so obsessed with and worried about losing weight and definitely not gaining any weight postpartum because that that felt like the worst thing that could possibly happen so but I don't, I, I, it was just this weird coincidence. I was on Facebook and there was a lady <laughs> in mm. some small business group who had trained in intuitive eating and wow. she was talking about her experience with body image. And, uh, so that's really kind of how I got initiated into the world of intuitive eating and health at every size and, 
that liberation of, you know, this belief that fat people deserve the same quality of care, the same access to care, and that we deserve the same basic human rights that everybody else has. Yeah, right? imagine. So, yeah. And imagine this is not, <laughs> this is not a crazy <laughs> concept. So I became super passionate about that too. And I kind of just married the two these really two important aspects of my life, the birth advocacy and fat liberation advocacy. And I started looking at resources and the information that plus size people are given. And <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. It's yeah. all very fear-based and loads of risk talk and it's amplified, it's exaggerated, and it absolutely terrifies plus size people because they they want to have a, a good experience. They want to have a positive outcome, a healthy outcome for their baby. And they're constantly being told that either it's not possible at all, or there's a very slim chance. So, yeah. and that just gets me fired up because I was, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, honestly, you know, Every single person on this planet deserves access to respectful and dignified care where they're being given accurate information that they can then decide what feels like the right choice for them. And nobody's going to make the same decisions. Nobody's going to find the same things important. But if we're not even giving plus size people the accurate information, that's a huge problem. So that's what ended up, that's what, <laughs> I know that was a long kind of pathway to where I'm going, but that's how I ended up writing my book. And it is aimed at expecting parents, but it is just as useful for folks who are supporting plus size people during pregnancy and labor, because I talk about some of the most basic things, like what is weight bias? What is weight stigma and how that might show up in pregnancy, for example, and giving concrete examples. So, you know, for, for example, someone who is plus size, or they might be told they have a high BMI, they, if they're tested for gestational diabetes and it comes back negative, if their provider is then saying they need a second test or a third test or a fourth test, that is weight stigma. That yeah. is a provider who isn't trusting the first result. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they might have a bias toward thinking, well, if, you know, if somebody's fat, then, then they're going to get gestational diabetes. They just haven't developed it yet. Yeah. So I, I give loads of examples, but and a lot of the examples are not unique experiences where these are things that I have heard once. So one of the things I, I did after I gave birth to my fourth baby was I started an Instagram account called Fat and Pregnant. And I wasn't sure if I was going to have another baby, but I did. I, I got pregnant with my fifth and um, shared loads of information during that pregnancy. But... It, and it took a while to grow, but when it grew, it really yeah. <laughs> exploded and I was not prepared for the amount of people who were going to message me and share their story. And 
yes, there were some really positive things came in, but the vast majority of them were really upsetting where people were being told lies. Yeah. You know, at, at 12 weeks at their very first visit with their doctor being told, well, you know, because of your size, you're not going to be able to give birth vaginally. So you, you should prepare for a cesarean at 38 or 39 weeks. Oh my God. This is somebody who just (laughs) had their first appointment. And there's, I mean, I could go on and on and on about um, different stories that come in, but they all center around, they're all, they're themes. Mm-hmm. So people being told they have to be tested for gestational diabetes repeatedly, people being told they need to have a cesarean or people being told that, I mean, the, the big things that always come up are they're going to develop gestational diabetes, they're going to develop preeclampsia, and they're going to develop gestational hypertension or high blood pressure. So those are kind of like the big three things that a lot of providers will talk about or, and then they talk about complications, birth complications with absolutely no discussion about prevention. Mm. And right now, it is true, for example, that plus size, like this is one example, it is true that plus size people are more likely to have a cesarean. However, the big question is, is are people more likely to have a cesarean because of their weight or are they more likely to have a cesarean because their provider thinks they can't give birth vaginally? Yeah. And we already have research showing <laughs> that providers recommend cesareans earlier the bigger someone's body is. <laughs> we are like, this is a fact. We already know this. So that's where my frustration comes in is because, you know, sometimes people are scared with statistics and told these complications are going to happen. And they, they truly believe it's their body. That's the problem Yeah, where I'm on the opposite side. Like, no, your body is not a problem. You can, you can support your physiology no matter what what size your body is. The problem is we have providers who don't, who may not even recognize that they have a bias, who are recommending more interventions and they're recommending the intervention sooner. Yeah. Because you're plus size. So this, this is, this is where the education comes in. (laughs) Right. Workers. Absolutely. Yeah, it's with no, I mean, I've seen it amongst my clients as well, where it just, they'll come back to us and be like, yeah, so at my appointment today, my provider mentioned this, this, and this. And we're like, in every other, I, why? <laughs> like, what was the reason? Did Let's go back and ask questions. Why are you bringing up an induction already? Why are you saying that if the induction doesn't work, then cesarean is guaranteed. And, and like, why? Like, show me the evidence, show me the reasons, give me the reasons. And, and like you said, something better than, oh, well, you're heavier. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Next. <laughs> that yes. it doesn't track. <laughs> what? 
So, so it sounds like your book really centers education on that and, and education on like where to ask questions and, and ask for that extra evidence. Um, we also talked a little bit about the trends that we see. Um, how can we better combat this or how can we as birth workers also uh, empower our clients to, how can we do better? How can we help this help reshape the system? Because it, it needs to be reshaped. Like you said, I think it's a great point. Yes, plus size pregnancies often end in cesareans. But is it because they were a plus size pregnancy? Or is it because your provider doesn't feel equipped because they were passed down from from their teacher and their teacher that, oh, it's just going to have to end in a cesarean? Exactly. And like the, the, that message is everywhere. Yeah. You know, the, the message. So I think tackling this is going to be incredibly huge. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, and the reality is, is that we are told that like, for example, the reason this is so big and such a problem is because weight bias and weight stigmatizing events are everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere from like the time you're a child. I mean, I remember watching some films when I was a young kid and like, think of the the television programs and the movies you used to watch and think of the fat character because there's yeah. always that character. And what is that fat character doing? They're usually eating uncontrollably. They can't stop. They're sneaking food. They have no willpower. They're never the main character. They're always like the wingman or the funny fat kid. And like even today, it's in children's television programs where there's there's weight stigma there. And, you know, part of the issue is that we're still using the body mass index as an indicator of health. So taking somebody's height divided by, or is it their weight divided by their height squared, and we're getting a number and putting people into boxes. And, you know, with kind of the quote unquote normal being BMI being between 20 or is it 18 and a half and 25? I don't even have the numbers memorized because I just find it so irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so irrelevant and problematic. You know, it's like a 200 year old statistic that's based off of white European men. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, didn't include any research on women, certainly not pregnant, anyone who was pregnant. And yet we're using this to categorize people and we're using weight as an indicator of health, which I think is also super problematic because there are so many other things, you know, like somebody's age, somebody's income level, their education level, their okay. genetics, you know, there's so many things that, that, that impact someone's health. And, you know, and along that line, I also don't think you need to be like, you're not morally obligated to be healthy in order to access Yep. Quality care. You could be the fattest, most unhealthy person on the planet. And I still think you deserve to have an autonomous pregnancy and birth experience. So, you know, I think that's why it's so problematic is because these beliefs are so ingrained and so systemic within the medical community 
including maternity care. So instead of taking on all of that, (laughs) (laughs) what I encourage everybody to do is like, start with yourself. Hmm. That's the only way we're really going to start changing more attitudes is think about yourself first and weight bias essentially is the beliefs and the attitudes that you have accumulated over time. Yeah. So from, you know, from birth, you like, just like we talk about how we view birth, right? We, most people end up getting pregnant and are already viewing birth as something scary, a medical emergency, like that belief system that you have has grown over time. And it's the same when we're thinking about plus plus size people or fat people. Like, what do I actually believe? Yeah. And a lot of stereotypes are, you know, fat people are lazy. They don't have willpower. They are eating all the wrong things. They don't know how to take care of themselves. They need other people to tell them what's good for them. And that 100% translates into maternity care where it's like, well, you're fat. Clearly, you don't know how to take care of yourself. You're irresponsible and you're probably not very physically fit. So birth is probably going to be really challenging for you. And you'll probably have to give birth through a cesarean anyway. So you can see how like your personal beliefs can then move into your beliefs about fat pregnant people and and there is already like that hierarchy with pregnant people anyway of uh, from providers of, well, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so we know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing in life, clearly, because you're fat. Also, you don't know what you're doing in pregnancy because you just don't know what you're doing. So we'll just take care of it. Don't we got it. We'll tell you how to go from here. Yeah, we'll manage the entire experience for yeah. you because we know what's best for you. Not you don't know. What's right. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's another, it's like amplified. It's definitely amplified. And so I would tell all birth workers to think like, examine your own biases and your own beliefs. And you can do this through like a lot of people now, like I remember when I trained as a doula, a lot of people were not at that time talking about racism within maternity care. And now there's a much larger conversation. There are books that you can read. There are trainings that you can do. There's social media accounts that you can follow where you can explore, right? Your own bias toward people of color. And it's the same. It's the same if you start looking at your weight bias and the vast majority of people like this can be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And even as a fat person, I have internalized weight bias. So it's not like it's, it's not like, so I tell everybody to explore this area, books, social media, different trainings. Like, as I said, I have a training for birth professionals where we talk about specifically how weight, weight bias impacts maternity care and how people can be more size inclusive. So we chat about things like language right? And the vast majority of plus size people do not like the words obese and obesity. Mm-hmm. They Those are really stigmatizing words. So like, I would say the vast majority of doulas, for example, aren't going to be using the words obese or obesity, but 
perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are, you need to find another word. You need to find something else. Like plus size is usually usually pretty neutral, but I usually mirror the the language that other that my clients would use. Yeah. And you know, other things like representation. How are like does your website include images of plus size people? Does your social media have images of plus size people? And even going beyond that, are you sharing information that is helpful and relevant for plus size folks? So um, I want to say maybe two years ago, there was research that came out about plus size folks accessing birth center care and how so many of the, like, for example, one of the things that's often said is, you know, plus size people can have a longer first stage of labor. But this birth center study showed that there was no increase. I was like, isn't that interesting that the research where, where fat people were in labor in a hospital, their labor was longer, <laughs> but when they're at a birth center, their labors around the same time. It's not any longer than someone whose body is smaller. Yeah. So like that, that's an, when research comes out like that, that's an opportunity as a birth professional for you to see that study and share it, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yes. Make, get on Canva and make yourself a little graphic <laughs> and include, you know, like that is helpful. That is relevant. And, you know, as, I've talked to, like, I have a Facebook group that's full of people that identify as plus size and pregnant. And so many of them have shared that they are looking for somebody who's size inclusive. Yeah. If you aren't advertising that you're size inclusive, they're not going to choose you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something that is so, you know, like fat people want to work with somebody who is very obviously open-minded and compassionate and cares about plus size folks and the different issues that impact them. So they are like, they are looking for you. That's all like, that is the biggest thing I would love to share with other birth professionals is plus size people are looking for you. They want to find you. I, every day, literally, I just had somebody message me today asking, do you know of a size inclusive doula in Chicago? Mm. And I'm going to look at my list of people, of my trainees and find like, who's in Chicago? <laughs> and yeah. Can I send them to? Because it is important. And, you know, every, everyone wants to feel safe. Yeah. And understood. And plus size people are no different. They want someone who isn't going to look at their body and automatically have some really awful assumptions um, that simply are not true. So do the doing the work and examining your own biases is, is, is such a huge aspect and it it's ongoing. Yeah. It's never a destination and you're kind of always journeying toward, you know, what uh, what do I need to learn more about? 100%. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I just, I love it. I could continue this conversation for hours. It's so important. And exactly like you said, we, we have a, we're finally having like the, the push of educate yourselves because 
there are so many different types of people who have not felt safe in our current systems and who have not felt safe with our current providers and just want to just want to feel safe and held. And, and so having that push of yes, educate yourself on medical racism, med- er, educate yourself on the fat phobia in, in medicine. Um, and, and the, the uh, discrimination against the queer community in, in medicine, like educate yourself so that you can then change and um, I, I talked with or interview, had an interview with um, Amber Madison, who was one of my very first interviews. And we talked exactly about like what you present on your website and what you present on your social media says whether or not you are a safe place. It says whether or not you are a safe place for people of color to come to, for uh, plus size people to come to, for queer people to come to. So you have to you have to advertise that you are a safe place because there are so many unsafe places and, and you have to make it known that you are a safe place. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm really grateful to you for coming on and and sharing and helping us learn and grow because it's so, so necessary. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the things that can be done do not have to be, challenging things like for example my childbirth education classes if I have them in person you know like something that is so basic Hmm. (laughs) is if if you're doing an in-person training you know like if somebody is plus size their body's bigger their body may be wider so they may you know everybody carries their weight differently but one of the like primary concerns that plus size people have and if you're not plus size you don't think of this is if i go into a space the first thing i'm looking at is am i going to fit in that chair mm-hmm. if a chair has arms am i going to fit in that chair or am i going to have to like i've chatted to people who you know, had to then have an uncomfortable conversation and it shouldn't be uncomfortable, but you know, they go somewhere and they need to ask for a different chair, which I would always like, if I, if I am somewhere and I need a bigger chair or I need a chair without arms, I absolutely ask, but how wonderful would it be for plus size people to not have to do that Yeah, (laughs) for their needs to just be considered. So if you have a training, make sure that there's some chairs without arms or, Um, what I only recently, like when I first trained as a doula, I was always bringing the exercise balls or birth balls to my in-person childbirth education. Well, there are weight limits on those balls. Mm. So now I have everybody bring their own. Mm. And before the class, like weeks before the class, I email everybody and I'll say like, hey, there's not a lot that you need to bring. The one thing I'm going to ask you to bring is find an exercise ball that is suitable for your body. So make sure you check the height, like you you get the appropriate height and you get a ball that is suitable for your weight. And you know, I do absolutely have classes that are tailored just for plus size people, but I also like my yoga classes might have people of all different sizes or, you know, in-person childbirth education. So, and then I'll send them links. Here are some links where you can get 
uh, where you can get birth balls. And some of those links intentionally are links where they can, like there are birth balls. You can get exercise balls with weight limits up to a thousand pounds. Yeah. So some, everybody will, <laughs> will find <laughs> something, but it's these really simple things. And if somebody, if a plus size person goes to your training or your class and they feel really safe and they feel considered and seen and heard, they will share that with other people. Yeah. You know, they absolutely will because like finding nursing bras as a plus size person can be really challenging. Finding belly bands, finding loads of like clothing items can be really challenging the plus size community, because we know how hard this is, <laughs> mm. we will share, <laughs> we will share. So, you know, just to absolutely do the work. It's absolutely worth it. The reality is, is that I believe the most recent statistic now is that 60% of people who are childbearing age are considered plus size. Mm. So you will have clients absolutely who, and, you know, plus size is a spectrum, but you absolutely will have people who want and need your services and knowing how to support them best is, is so important. And you'll be, you will be a better, more compassionate birth Mm -hmm. professional because of it Yeah. at the end of the day. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. How can... Um, I, I will have links and things in the description, of course, but how can people connect with you? Well, I would and how can be, they get your book? <laughs> <laughs> I would be the most active on Instagram under the name fat and pregnant. That's also the name of my website. That's also the name of my page on Facebook. If uh, people would also like to be around other plus size pregnant people, or, you know, those who, who are trying to conceive or are new parents, I have what's called the fat positive and pregnant Facebook group. So there's loads of people there that you can connect with. And it's a wonderful community again, where people are sharing like, Hey, I have this amazing size inclusive doula, or I found these awesome plus size nursing bras. online." <laughs> So it takes away so much of the work, right? Of trying to find what you need. So people can find me there. I have the paperback book and eBooks on my website, fatandpregnant.com. And um, absolutely anyone who's listening, drop me a message. Like I just love, I love communicating and chatting to people (laughs) (laughs) and, and knowing how things have been helpful. Or if someone is looking for a particular resource, I'll I'll send you in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm so (laughs) excited. Um, I have downloaded your book, your ebook, and I'm really excited to crack it open per se. (laughs) It's a little different on the phone, of course, but you you get what I mean. Um, There's, There's birth stories in the second half. And there's so many pictures of new parents with their baby. I think that's my favorite part of the whole book are the birth stories. Yes, I love <laughs> the, the birth, birth story. stories. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. love it. Me too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm really grateful for you. And I can't wait to share this. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
Hey, thanks for listening to the overreaction. I'm so grateful to have had you and um, I hope to have you back next Tuesday. So don't forget to turn on the notifications so that you're notified as soon as the next episode has published. And uh, if you'd like, you can leave a little review or send this episode to a friend and get the word out. It's really helpful to us and me at this platform. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Hope you have a wonderful week.